This time on episode 406 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Hawkeye, season one, episode six. So this is Christmas. We talk weekly Marvel news, including Spider-Man No Way Home opening weekend box office, the first Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness official trailer, and Hawkeye directors Bert and Birdie explain how they handled the show's biggest MCU crossovers. We also talk your feedback, including predictions for the season finale, potential meanings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if any, the Hawkeye finale mid credit scene reactions, and a follow-up to our discussion on Iron Man 3 as a Christmas movie. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as shown on Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Thursday, December 23rd, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Spectrum Newswide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey, gang, happy National Pfeffernoose Day. Yay! So for those that have no idea what I just said, and I had to clear it with Lauren before we <laughs> recorded to make sure I said it correctly, they're a German spice cookie. Okay, so I live in Central Texas, where there are a lot of, there was a lot of German immigrants in like the 1800s. So Pfeffernus is seen pretty commonly in stores and stuff, and they're really, really good. Chris, do you have any idea what Pfeffernus is? I have never heard this word before in my life, but you had me at cookie. They are fluffy cookies made with ground nuts and spices and covered in powdered sugar. If you make it, it should have like a really good bit of bite to it and not be like too sweet. Oh, they're so delicious. Mm, I'll have to go try some. I probably have had some in the past in the history of me, but I just didn't know what they were because I just see a cookie and I want to eat it. Nom, 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 nom. Same. All right. Michelle, have you ever had a pfeffernoose? Not that I know of. <laughs> Same here. All right. We'll have to go out and try them and see if we like them. In the meantime, we have something to talk about because we love talking about Marvel. Because of wearing the right costume. If you'd like to talk to us about wearing the right costume, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can head on over to Twitter at legendsofshield.com and show us your right costume. You can see us on YouTube when we don't wear costumes on youtube.com slash gundageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of Shield skill. 
you can show us all kinds of pictures of your great costume over on the Discord server at gunnageek.com discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. We're going to start talking about the finale for Hawkeye. Hawkeye Episode 6, So This Is Christmas, which premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. The IMDb description reads, Clint and Kate's partnership is tested as they face the consequences of exposing the conspiracy. This episode was directed by Reese Thomas, has 24 directing credits starting in 2010 including nine Saturday Night Live specials, six Comrade Detective, 47 Saturday Night Live episodes, and three Hawkeye. We had another writing team for this episode. We had Jonathan Igla, who is also the showrunner. He has seven previous credits starting in 2015, including 33 episodes of Mad Men, one episode of Masters of Sex, and six episodes of Hawkeye. There was also Eliza Nominates Clement, who was writer on two episodes of Hawkeye, including episode two, which we missed because IMDb wasn't quite up to date when we were putting the show notes together. She also wrote one episode of Sorry for Your Loss, which included Elizabeth Olsen, if you can remember back to Wanda in WandaVision, and 10 episodes of Imposters. As we have transitioned to in the last few episodes, we're going to read a little synopsis of what happened in this episode, and I get the honor of starting. The episode begins as Eleanor tries to leave her life of crime with Wilson Fisk behind for the sake of her daughter. Oh, Eleanor, if you only had watched the six Marvel series comprised of the 13 seasons on Netflix, you have known how badly this was going to end for you. Now, Kate plays the video sent by Yelena to know just how messed up her mom really is. And Clint vows to help Kate as partners and quote, your mess is my mess, unquote. Ah, all the Christmas buddy cop feels. Maya asks Fisk for some holiday time off to help clear her head. Fisk is revealed as Maya's uncle and generally orders Kazi to remind everyone who rules the city. Kate and Clint have a holiday crafting party to make new trick arrows and use a label maker to identify which arrows are too dangerous. Kate and Clint bond further over the story of the alien invasion of New York City. At the climatic black tie holiday party, the LARPers lay in waiting as party staff. Swordsman reappears after setting the record straight about Armand's death and all the players assemble for the big boss fight at the end of the video game level. What follows is a captivating multi-scene fight with trick arrows, clever teamwork, Avengers panache, dramatic physical action, elevator humor, ice rink antics, and dramatic one-on-one main character fights worthy of Daredevil Season 1, without the blood. Kate versus Fisk. Kate versus Yelena. Kate versus the tracksuits. Swordsman versus the tracksuits. Clit versus Kaz. And all the help from the suited-up LARPers. Eleanor saves Kate by ramming Kingpin and then getting arrested. Elena and Clint fight out their grief over Natasha on the ice rink, giving both the characters and the fans a final moment to remember the woman that saved the world through a fantastic whistle callback. Kazi kills himself to save Maya, and Maya then seemingly shoots Fisk, setting up her own Disney Plus series, Echo. Kate, Clint, and Lucky travel to the Barton family farm with seasonally appropriate snow on the ground for Christmas. Clint made it home! 
Clint gives Laura her Agent 19 watch. Mm, what a riling moment for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans. Lucky gets all the pets from the Barton kids. Kate and Clint have a burn the Ronin suit moment at the grill outside and talk about Kate's new code name as the credits roll. But wait, there's more. The Hawkeye production team gives us a rousing mid-credit send-off with the full performance of I Can Do This All Day from Rogers the Musical. And it's just a side note. I kept on looking at the guy who was playing Tony Stark, thinking that was actually Robert Downey Jr. It wasn't. It was another actor. So I went into IMDb and I found that for sure. I just had to figure that out. Anyway, we're going to get into our first thoughts of the episode. Lauren, you get to start. Okay, I really loved this episode. It had a lot of interactions that I really wanted. I was a little bit disappointed by a couple of things that I was hoping would pan out, but for the most part, I loved it. Yeah, it was fun. It was not disappointing. It's hashtag it's all connected without announcing hashtag it's all connected. And I like it, but then I feel for the casual viewer who was just like, who's this kingpin guy? Is he like a mutant or something because he had an arrow shot in his chest and he didn't die? Who is this guy? I kind of take the opposite approach to that because I think Kingpin and if you're seeing this coming in blind to everything else, then Kingpin being like that is just setting up another series. But this nicely closes out the story that we've been being told since episode one. I have a few theories on Kingpin, which I'll get to later. I think it was wonderful. I think this was the fan moment that we needed to say goodbye to Natasha. We'll talk about that in a second. And I think it did bring all the aspects together. We did get a climatic finale. I think it did stick the landing, so to speak. And I'm looking forward to the branches off from here. I've heard rumors of Clinton Kate in the future, where they want to be. Of course, we know Maya is going to be in Echo, the series that's already been announced. And I think I know the storyline that they're going to go with because they basically telegraphed it at the end of this series here. And I do like, I love world building. And this definitely did the world building. I think Wanda Vision did world building. I think for better or for worse, Falcon and the Winter Soldier did world building. Pretty sure Loki did multi-world world building. And then this did some traditional world building with the MCU and adding Netflix characters in it. So I enjoyed that. All right. So we're going to start talking about that moment on the ice rink where Clint and Kate come to a consensus between the two. They're both mourning Natasha. And it was a very heartfelt goodbye to Natasha, where I think we finally got Natasha's moment. You weren't saddled with all the other grief in Endgame. And it was very short in Black Widow. And you really didn't get a sense of Yelena going through the grief. You just saw Yelena at the gravesite. So I think this was the moment that all the characters that meant the most with Natasha got their chance to grieve on screen. I thought it was something that needed to be seen, whether on the big screen or on Disney+. And I'm glad that we got it. Yeah, sometimes you just need to confront someone on an ice rink and beat the crap out of them in order to go through all the stages of grief that 
Yelena needed to. We need to remember that Yelena was blip. So she missed out on all this time. But we found out when Clint did the whistle that Natasha talked about her all the time and that she wasn't, you know, forgotten. Natasha remembered her and need to remember what was interesting when I watched it again. Yelena said, oh, if I was there, I could have stopped. It's like, no. Natasha would have doubly sacrificed herself if Yelena was there. It still would have happened. It would have been more of like, oh, let me just jump off the cliff because Yelena's here and there we go. So Yelena, I'm sorry, you couldn't have stopped her sacrificing herself to save the universe. And Clint, you should have worked harder and fought harder to keep her from doing this. Yeah, do you really think anybody's going to be able to stop Natasha from falling off of a cliff to save the world? Because I can't think of many people who'd be able to pull that off. So when people die, there's a lot of what should I have done different if I had been there, blah, blah, blah. And it's one of the aspects of grief is you are always going to think about that, especially if it's someone who was really close to you. And getting to see these two people who they were the two most important people in Natasha's life and getting to hear that conversation and feel them grieve. That was very definitely something that the MCU needed because you're right. The other moments that we got, she wasn't even mentioned at the end of Endgame. We got Tony Stark's funeral, but nothing for her. And with Black Widow, it was just like a two minute gravesite thing. And I think this, in addition to being the introduction of a lot of stuff into the MCU, Kate Bishop, Wilson Fisk, all this stuff, it's also the chance to take a breath and for Natasha's fans to see their grief being expressed by other characters. One thing that we've been keeping track of this whole time is this budding friendship, partnership, whatever you want to call it, between Clint and Kate. And Clint finally crossed the line and said, look, we're partners. Your mess is my mess. They are in cahoots now, all the way to the end when Clint's basically taking her under his wing, no pun intended, or maybe I did (laughs) intend a pun there, and is going to keep her training her and keep her with his family, at least for now. So that she has a landing place because her family is now not there anymore because her mom's in jail and probably will be in jail for a long time. You know, like killing somebody it comes with a penalty there. So you have Clint and Kate, and I can't wait to see where this goes, whether it's in the MCU Disney Plus or MCU on film or both. I have rumors of where it's going to be, but I just don't want to talk about that yet. But I'm I'm glad that they're together. Clint did not die, as was one of the speculations that we had going into the finale. And they will be together for a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But Chris, what do you think about their partnership? I'm just really excited that Clint finally accepted the fact that he could have a partner again. And that he's gotten to himself at a level psychologically where he can handle having somebody that's depending on him. Because for a while, it was just looking like, okay, Kate's a 
I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, Kate's a tool that he can use to kind of get this stuff done. But he's finally able to have a partner and a friend, and it, I feel like it's somebody that's going to be really good for him. I mean, he wore the outfit. What more do you need when she looks at him and they're on the ice and they're in the matching outfits? It reminded me they even did like, you know, that whole back to back kind of like the circle thing almost. It was like instead of Avengers Assemble, we had Hawkeyes Assemble, but it was great. I also thought of the Avengers circle cam moment there. I love this. You know, you've had Clint previously being, I guess, sort of a a big brother type of figure to Natasha. And now he's taking kind of that same role with Kate. It's very much not a, you know, father-daughter thing. It is more of a, the way I think of it is like big brothers, big sisters. It's that mentorship and I'm really happy to see them working together. I'm really happy to see her being accepted into the Bartons' home. I was hoping Natasha, I mean, not Natasha, Yelena would also be there at the end, but I guess, you know, they're not at that level yet. But it was very healing and very fun. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that, the Kate and Yelena budding friendship back and forth, even though Yelena was giving her crap about, you know, just teasing her about nice moves and stuff like that, or at least that's what she said. I think that there's some admiration there. And we haven't talked about it yet, but Kate taking on Wilson Fisk, in my opinion, that is a superhero move right there. She has no other qualifications needed. Solo v. Wilson Fisk. So Yelena and Kate, I hope there is one heck of a budding friendship there because I can't wait to see them again together on screen. Even if it's within an ensemble, they have an existing rapport that's going to be shown out there. So I can't wait for that. I mean, that moment, like in the elevator, when she did all that and like they were fighting and remember the slap and Yelena's like, well, what was that for? And Kate's like, I don't know. And, and then they're just like trading these compliments. Yelena's like, you know, you had that really neat backflip, you know, back, you know, maneuver, you know, body, you know, body stuff. And, and you did this and it's just like, she's just like, stop making me like you. And Yelena's just like, well, you know, I'm just here to kill your new friends, your, your hero of all time. Um, no biggie. And I don't know what it is about Yelena. Even though she's here to kill Clint, I was just like, I still like you. I still like you a lot. Yeah, the fact that they can sit there and be fighting each other, but then compliment each other. And yeah, I don't want you to get your goal, but I'll definitely go get coffee or a beer with you after all of this. You can totally see that in there happening. And yes, I'm going to admit it here for, I think for the first time on this show, I'm a sucker for accents and I like the accent. (laughs) Okay. so. In my head, after this, Yelena just moves into Kate's place, and she's like a cat that just keeps showing up. I want them to be best friends. I want them to be roommates. I also think it would be great if a Hawkeye and a Black Widow were friends again. I think that would be lovely. I adored their banter. They have such good chemistry together. Yelena has perfect bratty little sister energy. That goes up very well against Kate's, like, confused only child energy. It's very good for me. 
I love watching them work together and I want more of them. And I liked how she continued to use the entire name. Kate Bishop, it's so nice to see you. And tries to prevent her from getting into the elevator and she gets in anyway. I have a feeling that if Yelena really didn't want her in the elevator, that she would have found a way not to let Kate in the elevator. But I love the whole elevator scene, the antics, <laughs> including Kate turning around and pushing all the buttons. That was amazing. That was just so good. It was. All right. So let's talk about another character, which I was totally misdirected on. I'll admit it. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. We're talking about Jack, a.k.a. Swordsman in the MCU. Chris, what's up with Swordsman? My wife went and looked up stuff about Swordsman. She didn't tell me, thankfully, because I was not ready for this. I was just completely thrown for a loop when we found out that Jack was just a giant ding-dong this whole time and didn't have any hand in any of this happening. Yeah, I have been of the opinion this whole time that, oh, we're going to see him be a bad guy because of swordsman in the comics and especially swordsman in the particular run of hawkeye that this is very much inspired by and the fact that no he's just a rich twit who is good at sword fighting and who knows might be hanging out with larpers at some point in the future i loved it it was a misdirect that got me yeah i liked it I don't know if he's going to be any sort of hero or villain because he just completely ignored the LARPer and complained about blood on his tie. I think that's just the way he is. I think he's going to play with him in the future. We'll talk about it in a second. I just want to admit that no butterscotch was used in the conclusion of this series. That was a prediction I had. So let's talk about the LARPers. They were great. They were the support staff there at the party. They were mic'd up and they suited up and they helped clear the area. They didn't do too much fighting, but they did help out clear the areas. I think this is a great use of the LARPers. Grills is definitely a character in the Kate Bishop comics that I've learned. And I'm glad that they have expanded that to a troop of LARPers. <laughs> oh, that was... I mean, yeah, I was very happy to see them all at the party. I was like, oh, good. They were smart. They brought back up. And then when they get the directions of, hey, get everyone out of here safely. They're like, no one's going to listen to us. What do we do? So they do the superhero thing. They put on their own ridiculous costumes, ridiculous but cool costumes, and start directing people traffic. I was so happy their new LARP outfits were very cool. One of the things that I do like about this show and about, you know, again, the Fraction Aja run that it's based on is seeing everyday people interact with these celebrities, essentially, and, you know, actually helping out. It very much continues that whole theme of Anyone can be a superhero. You just got to try and help people. I'm just glad they came back. I'm glad they had backup. And not just they're not only LARPers, but we're talking about firefighters and police officers. So, yes, we have LARPers, but I like how they also have a level of skill there and they do know what they're doing. I think we really need to get an answer to the question, though, of if Officer Bombshell ever got her bag back from Clint. 
I choose to believe that she did because otherwise I don't know if she would be so inclined to help out again. I think everybody came out of this on the good side, well-intentioned, and I think Bombshell got her bag back. And if not, I'm pretty sure she could get another one made by her significant other. Saying, I mean, oh, wow, you saved the city? Okay, yeah, we can do I, I don't know. Was this a save the city moment? It's the principle of the thing. I don't know if it's a save the city moment, but it's definitely a stick it to organized crime moment, and I'm in favor. Speaking of the principle, even if the bag disappeared, now I kind of want to see Kate running around trying to get another bag made up and all the shenanigans that would come around with that happening. (laughs) I'm wondering how they got to the farm so quickly. Maybe the adage from the Netflix shows that everything's a three hour drive away from New York City came into play. But did Lucky get on a plane? I mean, how did this happen? I think they drove. Yeah. Maybe just took one of the cars off the lot, off of the tracksuits lots and and drove the whole way. Because it wasn't a new SUV. It was definitely an older SUV. I don't think the Bartons are plush with money. Let's talk about Wilson Fisk. Because if you didn't know him going into this, he is a big character in the Netflix series. Was really huge in the Daredevil, but permeated throughout the entire Defenders series. There is a storyline in the comics which has him getting his eyes shot out. And this was telegraphed by the line that he says to Maya, family needs to see eye to eye, and then there's two gunshots. So I am predicting that they are going to follow that comic book storyline. I don't know if it's going to be page for page or something like that, but we are going to see more of Wilson Fisk in the MCU as he goes through that storyline. So I don't think he's dead. I think they're going to do that storyline, but that's just based on comic book knowledge. If you didn't have that comic book knowledge, I don't know if you'd know if Wilson Fisk was going to be sticking around or not, which leads credence to what Michelle was saying before about who is this guy? Where did he come from? And what does he mean? Yeah. Again, it's one of those things where, yes, it's really great for us who know who he is. I had no idea that even Fisk was on Hawkeye's radar because he was always like the person behind this. And it's just like, we're thinking maybe it's Fisk, maybe not. And it would have been great for those who are, again, coming from the movies. If you're coming from, oh, I know Hawkeye's the Avenger and now I want to watch Hawkeye on this. And then Fisk is basically in the season finale and you're just like, how did he meet him as Ronan? Like, I'm still, again, I come from the common viewer. It's like, it would have been interesting if they could have built some sort of background for Hawkeye and Fisk. Like, was it a Hawkeye and Fisk thing or was it a Ronan and Fisk thing? Because he mentioned in the episode before how he was hired by her boss to, to kill her father. It would have been interesting to just gotten some of those holes filled in instead of like all of a sudden here's wilson fisk in this awesome fight with kate and wilson fisk even if you don't know who he is he's too important too strong to be killed off camera so he's obviously not dead i come from knowing fisk as a spider-man villain from back in the 90s cartoon in every single basically Spider-Man game ever made 
So, I mean, just seeing him here makes perfect sense to me because I'm used to him being everywhere because Spider-Man kind of pops up with everybody too. That being said, I realize that I'm seeing this as somebody who has known about Kingpin and Wilson Fisk basically since I was six years old. Before I turn it over to Lauren, I want to mention one thing here in that Disney Plus is PG-13 at the most. And the Netflix series are definitely R, I would say, with all the graphic violence there. So there's probably a lot of younger people that if their parents are being protective, have not seen anything to deal with Wilson Fisk on screen. Now, they might have gotten it in video games or something like that, Chris, that you mentioned. But I just want to throw that out, that there is an extra step here for the younger crowd that they might not know Wilson Fisk. And now they might want to go back and see those Netflix series. And it still might be too graphic for some people. Because you got to admit, Daredevil is very, very bloody and graphic. I mean, it's, you are literally pummeling people like almost like you're in a meat locker. Matter of fact, I think one of the things was in a meat locker, but you get my drift. I don't know if everybody's going to be able to go back and see Wilson Fisk in the Netflix series. Hey, everybody. If you want to introduce your kids to Wilson Fisk, the Spider-Man animated series is, I believe, on Disney Plus now. It at least was at some point. Yeah. Anyway, look for that. It's a nice, child-friendly way of being introduced to Kingpin, and that is also how I learned about Kingpin. I think that one of the series' missteps was the timing of the Wilson Fisk stuff. What I think they should have done was build that up a little more since episode one and actually establish Fisk more as a presence in this world instead of trying to get this to be done on a certain week so that things can happen and not be spoilers. But that is one of the things that I think made it suffer. You have this character that, yeah, those of us who watched the Netflix series or know the comics or watched Spider-Man the Animated Series back in the 90s, we're all excited. But He's just, for the people that don't know, he's just this big guy who is pulling strings behind the scene and yells at people. It's kind of anticlimactic from that point of view. And he definitely was wearing a big fat suit. That's for sure. Okay, I want to mention something about Fisk's outfit. We're going to talk about it a little more in the comments, but there is, it's a throwback to another you know, an actual comic appearance. So fun fact, the proper term is Aloha shirt. Hawaiian shirts actually need to be made on the islands of Hawaii. Aloha shirts are just the generic ones that are made like anywhere and you can buy anywhere. Yeah, I did know that. And all of my Aloha shirts happen to be Hawaiian shirts because I've actually traveled to Hawaii and I picked them up there, which Depending on where you get them, they're very, very expensive or reasonable, but they're on the higher end because, well, it's Hawaii, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But his fat suit is bigger than it, what it was in the Netflix Defenders series, so I just wanted to mention that. Okay, so one last big thing that we need to talk about is the watch. The MacGuffin that we've been seeing all along, and then 
Clint gives it to Laura back in the farmhouse, turns it over. There's a number 19 on the back indicating Agent 19, which is Mockingbird's or Bobby Morris's number. So if you have listened to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the beginning, you know that we started as an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast and there was a Bobby Morris over there played by Adrian Palicki. So this has set the fandom ablaze a little bit and there are some thoughts about what this might mean but i want to throw it to everybody i want to get everybody's thoughts about what you think of the watch the 19 and laura who bobby morris ultimately in the comics did marry at least one of the runs marry clint barton so this is comic relevant here it's not straying too far but now do we have two is this Can a moniker be shifted to somebody else? I mean, lots of stuff here. Chris, what do you think? I mean, we know a moniker can be shifted to somebody else because we've seen names passed around all the time. Me being a new agent here, though, I don't know if numbers get reused or not. Like, does somebody's number get retired when they stop being an agent? Or is the number tied to the Mockingbird moniker there? And that's the important part. And they were both just happened to be the same monikered agent i don't know how this works i'm gonna have to go back and do some digging what was the point of the watch in this series um i get that it's like is it actually going to help bring agents of shield make it canon is that why kevin feige did this or was it to bring in how clint met his wife because they were fellow agents is that why because he and that line, you need to take better care of your stuff. So again, pardon me, it's just like, it was this just to add something about his wife, make her a little bit more interesting, or was it just there, or is it for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. purposes? I hope, let me answer that really quick. I hope that Laura, this sets her up at being a character in the future of the series and being an agent with skills on her own right. I hope that's the reason they did that rather than just trying to say, oh, this is how she met Clint. Lauren, what do you think? This is another one of the series' missteps, I think. You have all that buildup and just for an Easter egg. Come on, show her doing stuff where we're like, was she an agent? Instead of just, you know, oh, she speaks German. I guess maybe she's an agent. Mm. In terms of how I'm rationalizing the whole Mockingbird Agent 19, Laura Barton thing, what I'm betting they'll do is something, if they bring it up again at all, is something like her name was Roberta Laura Morse, and she just goes by Laura now and, you know, took, obviously took his last name when they were married, which I think is a cop-out, but... Uh, come on, just show us, just show her kicking some ass. That's all I wanted. Well, not all I wanted. I wanted a lot of stuff, but I wanted that. Until Kevin Feige comes up and actually says something about this and says, this is what it means to the canon. I'm leaving the door wide open. I'm not going to say this is what it is because it could mean anything. I don't know, but it definitely needs to be further explained, I think. And whether they meant it to be needed further explaining or not, I think they see it needs further explanation right now, and I just hope that Marvel Studios does close this loop a little bit further for us. 
And if it's a storyline that takes another year or so to complete, I mean, hey, what's that in the terms of the MCU? It's it's very appropriate. We've seen longer storylines for sure. There is one last thing that Michelle needed to talk about, and that is Kate and her mom, Elena, and what happened at the end. Yes, Eleanor, heroes have their moms arrested on Christmas Eve because they're heroes. And the one comment that really got me was Eleanor telling Kate, you don't know what it's like to not have anything. Like trying this whole rational, like I did it for you because you're a rich, spoiled kid and I needed to make sure you stayed a rich, spoiled kid instead of, oh, my husband is in severe debt. I guess I have to sell all of our assets and we move to a farm that's next door to the Bartons. That really got me because she's like, well, how do you know why I, what I could have handled? And I'm just like, yeah, Kate, you tell her. I seriously thought that Kate was going to kick her mom in the butt. That was just ridiculous. Yeah, that was as far as I feel like the fact that that feels like such a weak explanation is, you know, if you really want to look into it, it lends some credence to her only doing this for herself and using that as a justification, kind of the whole Anakin trying to justify falling to the dark side with, but I love Padme. No, here it's, she's trying to justify becoming this cog in the mafia machine, basically with, but my daughter. And I have this kind of half formed idea about, she continued to underestimate Kate all the way through, including, oh, but if she doesn't have all of this stuff and all this money, then she can't handle it. And it's no, that's not how things work. That's not how people work necessarily. She was failing above her level of competence, basically. Well, there is one last thing I know that Michelle wants to ask me. SP, this is the finale. I need to know. How does Hawkeye rate on the scale of Hallmark holiday movies? Well, we got a lot of the standard checklist checked off during the whole thing. I mean, in this episode alone, you had an ice rink scene that's, you know, very typical. You go ice skating around the holidays. You had holiday projects, you know, with the trick arrows, including the embossing label maker. By the way, I did look that up. That's what it's called. The old scale is embossing label maker. And you had a Christmas tree disaster, which if it was on Hallmark Channel, it would be because it wasn't a Balsam Hill tree. And they would have to go out and get a Balsam Hill tree because they're sponsored by Balsam Hill, by the way. So there you go. The Christmas tree disaster, I, as far as I know, the trees cut down and it's not going to survive anyway after the holidays. So whether Kate cut it in half or not, it was not going to survive too much longer because we're talking right around Christmas the tree comes down probably after New Year's. And then, of course, you had the whole drive to get home in time for Christmas. It's uh, somewhat of a Hallmark holiday and actually a holiday movie in general trope. So they did all of that. Now, how does it rate in terms of a Hallmark holiday? I mean, you definitely don't have all the action that we had here. I will say if Hallmark would add all the action and special effects that we saw here in Hawkeye, I would watch it a lot more. 
So that tree thing just reminded me of the owl in the tree that I was like, why is, I mean, yeah, why is there an owl? And then we find out why there's an owl there, because when the truck gets him by the pin arrow shrinking it, they're like, well, what are they going to do? And then the owl shows up and flies away with them. And it's just like, okay, I died laughing. At some point, the owl is going to be carrying this truck and it's going to come back, whatever it is, 30 minutes, an hour or something like that. Truck might be up in a tree or something like that. And it'll go back to full size. Uh, that's funny. Oh, I'll have to ask Scott about that. I could watch that entire fight scene, and it's like a, almost a half an hour long, by the way. I could watch that all day long. I could put it on repeat. It was fun. It was amazing. The one shot that they did with Yelena and Kate going through all those rooms, and I read a couple articles, it was actually a one shot shot filmed. Although there was a little break in the middle where they were talking to each other. Anyway, it was just fun to watch the entire fight and everybody doing everything. And yeah, I, it was a good action scene. I really enjoyed it. So just to get a couple of things off of my chest from my predictions, Fanny and Lucky did not meet. We were talking about Yelena's dog. So Yelena's dog did not come into this. Uh, Laura, we were talking a little bit about we would have liked to have seen a little bit more about her. She fought neither at the farm, nor did she bring the kids to New York City to fight. They just met at the farmhouse. I think in the grand scheme of things, that's fine for Clint's journey, but it cut short Laura's journey. And I think they just, I don't know if it's Kevin Feige or somebody at Marvel, they just don't know what they have with Laura there and the character. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And this is something I'll probably watch before the holidays are over, rewatch the whole thing back to back. I tried to do it a couple of times. I could never find all the time necessary to do it, but I did enjoy it. And it's up there to me in terms of the Disney Plus series so far. I think WandaVision probably takes a cake right now, but uh, this, this is definitely good. It's up there. So final thoughts for everybody else. We'll start with Michelle. I enjoyed it. I can see myself watching at least the last three, maybe two, definitely the finale because the finale was fun. And again, great action sequence at the end. Lucky didn't get to do anything besides be lucky. I mean, that was great. We had the dog and it was a great add in for those of us who know the comics run. And I guess for people who like dogs and it was like, oh, they have a dog now, but he didn't get to do anything like really cool. That would have been kind of fun. You know, again, like Lauren said, there were some, like even I said, there were missteps with plotting and pacing. Why did Eleanor have to kill Armand? Was it just, I mean, I know it was like a kingpin asked her to, but why? Like, who got the money if he's dead? Like, what was the motivation? That would have been, anyway, but like it's just those type of moments that's why i probably just would be like you know what i just want to watch the last two where we got the plot going and it felt more like a movie the last two episodes felt more like a movie that i could sit down and watch again i think this is definitely something that's going to get on our holiday rotation even if it is just an episode at a time cuz my wife and i always end up getting one of our weeks of vacation around Christmas somewhere, so we'll have plenty of time to do it. Overall, I really like the series. I wish they could have snuck in some 
hey, here's some more characters we're going to maybe bring into the MCU later. Like, up in the tree, you had the owl. I was waiting for a squirrel, and then you get Squirrel Girl. That would have been perfect. But other than that kind of thing, I really like this, and I'm definitely going to go back and watch it. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Yes, it was... The plot was kind of paper-thin in parts, but since pretty much all I wanted was just Kate Bishop having fun time, I got a lot of that. So I was pretty satisfied on that front. I still think WandaVision is probably the best overall of the Disney Plus series, but this has found a place with Loki as the funniest one and the most fun to watch. So, on that front, I think it was a success. All right, you're not getting out of this without an oddball question from SP. So, here it is. Who are your top three Netflix characters that you want to see in the MCU? Existing characters in those six Netflix Marvel series that you want to bring over into the MCU. So, you can't say Wilson Fisk because he's already confirmed as far as we know. So, for example, I'm going to say Foggy Nelson. I've said that before. I want to see him over here. Claire Temple. I want to see Night Nurse. And I want to see Misty Knight. So those are my three top. Doesn't mean that I don't want to see any of the others. It's just those are my three top Netflix characters. So just to refresh your memories before I pass it off, there's other characters like Electra, Karen Page, Marcy Stahl. I'm going to put Sugar and DW together. So if you want to see Sugar or DW, you get them both. Kling Wig, Detective Costa, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. And I'm thinking Michelle might go for Jillian. So I'm just going to throw her name out. So top three Netflix defenders. Mine are Foggy, Claire, and Misty. Anybody want to go first? Okay, Michelle. Look, we're all going to say Karen Page, so I got to go in there and get Karen Page, so dibs on Karen. Colleen? Hello? We got to have Colleen. If we're going to have Night Nurse and we're going to have Misty Knight, we have to have Colleen. So we got Karen, we got Colleen. Number three, who would I want? I want Jessica Jones. I know Jessica Jones is a darker character. But if you can get the feel of the detective and the moodiness, I mean, you've got the Mandalorian that has sort of like this, it's not so much violent, but it's got like this odd, you know, moody feel, you know, something like that where you had like Star Wars. It reminds me of like Star Wars 1313, like the lower levels. It would be kind of like that, just a superpower detective. Kate Bishop needs help. With detective stuff, she goes to Jessica Jones. Like, there you go. Okay, I'm excluding Luke and Jessica from my list because I think that goes without saying. I was also going to say Karen Page and Colleen Wing. If I'm not doing those because, I don't know, if we're taking dibs and stuff. No, you you can double up. That's fine. Yeah, I'd want uh, Karen, Colleen, and Claire. I think I'm going to get so much crap for this. I want Iron Fist on the assumption that they don't have to directly take the Netflix character. They can do it right. (laughs) 
and do it actually good. So recasting. Uh, yeah, that's good. I'm not even going to go so far as to say they have to recast it, but they have to do it well. And if that means recasting it, then recast it. That's fine. The guy won't train. Exactly. I know. I mean, I'm like 99% they'd have to recast it. What would the year of the two be, Chris? Sorry. All right. So, I mean, you know, obviously Jessica and Karen and stuff, but I want to see Trish Walker come back because I think that would be amazing to actually get a real thing from her. And I want the purple man. Basically, I just want Jessica Jones, the entire series sucked into the MCU. I was thinking Trish Walker, she is technically at the end of the Netflix series in the raft, so she'd have to come out of the raft. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she was sprung from the raft when Natasha sprung everybody else, because that's what she did at the end of Black Widow. She's the one who sprung everybody from the raft, so maybe that happened. I don't know. I was going to go into the realm of Danny and uh, what's his name, because they were on that buddy trip at the end of Iron Fist that we never saw the end to or something like that. But I just, I didn't, I didn't want to touch Iron Fist with a 10 foot pole. I, I didn't want to here for making all the bad takes. There you go. Okay. Well, there you go. Listener. If you have three characters that you want to bring over from the MCU or from Netflix into the MCU, your top three, let us know what those top three are. All right. We are now concluded with the Hawkeye series. We're going to take a week off for the holidays. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Marvel Studio news, and then we'll hit it up with Eternals. So if you have anything to do with Eternals, we will be recording on the 13th of January for Eternals. So get us your feedback before then. In the meantime, we have some Marvel Studios news to get to. Well, first up is box office news about Spider-Man No Way Home. Indeed. So No Way Home just came out the Friday before we are currently recording this, and it scored the number two domestic debut of all time as moviegoing has been returning to pre-pandemic levels for the first time, despite the Omicron variant. And yeah, apparently including overseas and everything that's the number three global opening ever not adjusted for inflation. Yeah, I have no problem believing this, considering that I spent a while trying to find a showing that wasn't completely sold out because I wanted I wanted seats, you know, I wanted space in the theaters for people to stay away from me. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that people are watching it, even though I wish... I want them to go back to doing the Disney Plus streaming thing because it feels like the most responsible thing to do. I have thoughts. I, I, uh, I wish I could have seen this already. People around me just aren't responsible. I'm not willing to put myself in that situation at all, which sucks because I have seen so many spoilers for No Way Home. And the only good thing is I don't know if they're important spoilers or Easter egg spoilers. And I'm going to keep it that way for as long as I can. Yeah, I've been pretty much fully spoiled on this whole thing. We're going to cover Spider-Man No Way Home as soon as it streams. No matter how it streams or whatever, as soon as it streams, we will cover it here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Until then, it's basically try to stay spoiler-free when you're talking to at least three of us, because Lauren went to go see it. So, Michelle? Next, we have the Doctor Strange trailer. Yes. 
for those of us who saw it in the theater and stayed all the way to the end, that was the like shawarma for the movie was the trailer. I'm excited. We get some good looks at some of the characters in it, including America Chavez, Wong, Wanda, Mordo, who has a bit of a new look, but looks very good. It got me excited. I was already pretty excited because, I mean, just all the multiverse stuff has been really fun so far. And I forget when it's coming out, but it's not soon enough. May 6th, 2022. That is not soon enough. No, not at all. I'm going to have to wait so long to see this one because I have no faith that the world will be a good place by then. I'm most excited with America Chavez in this because I read the Ultimates 2. I know exactly. And that's where her character was revised in the Marvel Comics a few years ago. And I am just all I she is on par, in my opinion, with Captain Marvel in terms of her powers and everything. So I can't wait to see what she does in the MCU. It's going to be pretty amazing. And of course, everything else in there as well. I think we're going to get some what if in there, I think because of the multiverse and we're going to get back to Loki is going to be in here and Wanda and everything. I love world building and this is world building and, and worlds building. So this is just going to be fun. I don't know how long this is going to be. I hope it's not too long. It just senses to me just with everything they're trying to do here might be a three hour movie. That might be too long for me. But anyway, it's going to be fun. Is this a question without getting too spoilery? Mm -hmm. Is this tied into the new Spider-Man movie? Yes. Well, okay. Okay. You can see the trailer without having seen Spider-Man and get it. All you need to know is, hey, multiverse. Yeah, the trailer did come out solo, independent of Spider-Man on YouTube. Marvel Studios released it. Okay, I was just curious. And our last bit of news is about the Hawkeye directors handling MCU crossovers. This was an interview with Bert and Bertie. And Bertie says that she and Bert didn't learn their episodes would be bringing Kingpin back until they were already in production. That was as exciting to us as it was to the fans, knowing what everyone else would feel, she says. It's like, oh my goodness, these worlds are now able to meld. There's this extra layer that can come into the MCU that had previously been separate. She also added, there was never any kind of requirement or need to meld Daredevil and Hawkeye in any way. Then again, talking about these, talking about the suit and just the physicality of Kingpin. I think you just respect the character and where the character is in the universe, she says. So when Kingpin comes in, he's massive, you know, he's huge. As the story goes, he's later in a more difficult place, but he comes back as his big self with his big hands. In that picture at the end of Ronin, you see him in his iconic suit. So how to shoot him came from where the character is, rather than us trying to match our universe to anything in the past. As to whether the shows are meant to feel similar... Bert says they do have roughly the same aesthetic, but we deal with the character story more rather than dealing with the universe they come from. They step into ours and talks about how similarly they didn't look back to Black Widow to see how to frame or design Yelena. They took their cues from Florence Pugh instead. And yeah, just talking about, hey, this is how these characters came to be in our show. 
I mean, this is probably a little late for spoiler warnings, but I think they might know what they're doing with this directing thing. They're probably going to get some more <laughs> directing credits under their belts. I really hope so. I've, I've started watching The Great recently, and they've directed a bunch of episodes for that. And they continue to be, they're really good at comedy. I think in the modern era, we've seen a lot of director teams pop up, the Russo brothers, and then with the whole Matrix thing. And uh, now Bert and Bertie, I think we're seeing that directing teams, no matter if they're married to each other, they're friends, they're just coworkers. I think that's a way that is very successful to go because something as complex as this takes more than just one person to pull it all together. When you're talking about the execution, you're probably shooting two sets at the same time, if possible, to reduce the total amount of shooting time it takes to get everything in. So to have two people that are on the same page doing things and playing off of each other's strengths, I think the more that we see teams like this that are able to pull it off, the better that it's going to be for us as viewers and consumers of all this stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing Burton Birdie back again and probably in the MCU. That's going to be fun. They have not said of whether they're doing anything more in the MCU or not, but I bet you they're like, hey, we're over here. Hire us. All right. I think that's it for the news. Let's get on to the feedback. And what good feedback it was this week. First, we have the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter account throwing out the question, what predictions do you have for the Hawkeye season finale? The Chris Farrell, I think, had my favorite response there. Just Captain Holt, pain, which ended up being pretty true. Yeah, and looking through uh, everything, I think um, nobody got anything right. <laughs> no, no. Andy Mingna said, the pizza dog will get his R2-D2 moment to shine. Last couple of episodes, he was too much sidelined. And sorry, Andy, wow, that continued wow. with this. Yeah, we also had Gwen's dad say, Daredevil appears or Kate meets one of the future young Avengers. I think the second statement there kate meaning one of the future young avengers i thought that was going to be a post-credit scene and we just didn't get it so i hope that it's rectified there was one thing that was correct from i wonder who this could be play comics clint and the kids will finally see each other that was a cop-out answer cheap yeah but then he goes on to say we'll get a surprise cameo that links this to a future movie series which was one of the criticisms that i saw that did not happen the post-credit scene was the musical scene <laughs> we We've didn't been talk spoiled. about that at all no let's talk about that now the musical scene what did everybody like about the performance it was the full performance that song was cheesy as hell but it was fitting for kind of like a a middle grade broadway musical I've never seen anything on Broadway. I think I've seen one musical in my life. I have no idea how this compares to anything. If it was a cartoon, I would have loved it. Yeah, it has a little bit of a high school production about it. You know, the magic word is smash. Yeah. Man being there when it's like, he wasn't there. Let me amend that. It's a, it's a lower grade <laughs> musical. The actors that were in it are all Broadway actors. Again, Adam Pascal had the biggest role, and I think he's kind of the most well-known of them anyway. 
I was laughing. It was it was funny to me. We also threw out the question, what does the Hawkeye finale mean for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? To which, you know, we had answers like, not really anything yet, because it's too early. If this technology happens, then maybe nothing. It seems for the most part, we're just kind of, it's a wait and see what happens next kind of world. This was part of the whole fan base, not knowing what this meant. And people are rationalizing it on both aisles and there's people in the middle going, I'm not going to make a statement on it until I know more about it. And that's kind of where I am right now. But yeah, it did get garner a lot of attention, which the uh, 19 on the back of the watch and any connotations that it might have for agents of shield. And we had other thoughts about the Hawkeye post-credit scene as well. You know, consultant black Adam, he was hoping to see someone in the crowd but wasn't really surprised not to see someone in the crowd. But for the most part, it seemed like everybody who responded to us, at least really yeah. liked that post credit scene. We also got a tweet as a response from last episode by Hillary Casada. She said, you'll be happy to know that Iron Man three is listed as a quote, a live action holiday movie unquote on the U S Disney plus. So last time we were talking about the UK Disney plus and how Iron Man three wasn't on the list of, holiday movies well hillary responded by hey in the u.s it is so i don't know maybe the brits have something against iron man 3 i don't know i want to thank everybody for giving us a lot of feedback we had conversations going in our discord server and then we had conversations going over on twitter so thank you very much for everybody for interfacing with us during this post finale time so what should we do now? I think we should uh, swing by the farmhouse and celebrate Christmas on our way out. I want to thank the listener. It's been a great 2021 having you along with us. You have made our lives richer in 2021. So thank you very much. And I want to say a special thanks to Chris, Michelle, and Lauren for being on this road with me in 2021. This was an interesting year because we were coming back from having Marvel content for the first time and the bulk of it on Disney+. Plus. So we've been through quite a bit this year, and I want to say thank you for being there with me. I'd like to say happy end of the year to everybody, and I hope 2022 treats us all a lot kinder and i hope we also get some more fun stuff to talk about because i don't know if you've noticed but we really like talking about marvel i would like to thank the three of you for your support i had a rough year and i took a step back so special thanks to chris for stepping up and joining them First, starting as a consultant and then accepting the promotion as an agent. So welcome on board. So again, thank all of you for your support during my rocky time this year. And I would also like to thank the other three hosts here and all the listeners for letting me join in on this wonderful family, getting to talk about all this Marvel stuff with other people and most importantly, not having to edit these episodes. <laughs> as you say that now, you remember... You can contact us at our Discord server at 
tonygeek.com slash discord, our Twitter account at Legends of Shield. You can email me at StargatePioneer at tonygeek.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And as you heard today, we will read your responses over the air. And if you so choose, you can pick up your phone. You can dial 1-844-843-2871, which is 844-THE-BUS-1. Unfortunately, I can't change that now, even though Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is over with. But we do miss the bus on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Give us a call. Tell us what you think. And if you want to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., tell us what you think about Adrian Palicki and Linda Cardellini and their both roles into the Mockingbird moniker. All right, that's a wrap for 2021. Until 2022, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. All right, see everybody next year. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. Hello. I am playing some Cozy Grove until we start. I'm going to pretend I know what that is. It's sort of like Animal Crossing, but you are basically a scout who is helping uh, an island full of ghosts find out about their pasts and move on to the afterlife. It's very cute. Sounds like it would be. Yeah, right now is the uh, Christmas festival, so I'm digging up a bunch of snowballs and snowflakes. Hey guys. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Oh, I'm feeling very fancy today. I'm actually wearing sleeves. <laughs> wow. No glasses though. Yeah, I had to go to work. I don't like to wear them to work. But you can put them on when you get home. I can, but by that point my contacts were already in, so I might oh. as well just leave them. Yeah, I wear contacts at work. Okay. Today was my last day at work for the year. Hey, hey, me too. So half the workforce had the day off because they were just given the day off. And then the other half of the workforce, most of the people took the day off. So there was only like three of us in the office, four if you count our, my boss. So there's only like four of us. The boss left at the middle of the day. And then my coworker, who was the boss for today, she left. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I give up. I'm going, there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason for me to stay anymore. I've done all I need to do today, so I got up, I gathered my stuff, and I started walking out, and guess who I ran into on my way out? My co-worker, that happened to be the boss, I was like, ah! Joy. Yeah, so she went to her husband's desk, she and her husband work in the building, and so I didn't account for that, <laughs> so I got caught on my way out, and they were just looking at me, and, and her husband was looking looking at his watch and the 
strange thing is they both worked for me at one point. So she is technically my boss right now, my deputy boss, but she's my boss anyway. So we're walking out like, look, you know, I wasn't able to come to the office Christmas party because I had a colonoscopy. So I'm just taking that time now. And she's like, I can't debate that. So I'm like, okay, so I got away with it. Otherwise I would have come back to my <laughs> desk. Like, oh, <laughs> have either of you two watched the matrix yet? Yes. I have not yet. Oh, it was delightful. It, that's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to watch The Matrix. I'm going to watch the best Christmas movie, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yes. That movie scared me so much when I was a kid. I can see that. I like The Muppets Christmas Carol. That used to be the our- Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite. That one is also really good. Used to be our, our tradition for quite some time. Yeah. The George C. Scott one is also on Hulu. So that one's really good. George C. Scott was just a fantastic actor. Oh, I've been watching The Great lately, and Bert and Bertie have directed a bunch of episodes for it. Yeah, they're good, aren't they? They really are, and they their work on The Great is fantastic. I'm halfway through season one. Yay for sleeping nope. until after the sun comes up. <laughs> my cat started sleeping on my legs again at night. Oh. Yeah. And then he woke us up at five in the morning being in but, you know, was he playing with your feet or no, he was running laps over the bed because he was bored and wanted someone to play with him. Why doesn't he go attack the dog? Because the dog's in a kennel and also he does not trust Fulton. Okay. Does he still stay at the top of the stairs? Pike? Yeah, he loves doing that. Oh, did any of you ever wonder just how... Did they get all those tracksuits? Like, it was just like... There was so many tracksuits. There were so many. It reminded me of, like, ninja movies. You know, like, even with, like, Daredevil. Like, all of a sudden, there were just more ninjas and more ninjas. And it's almost like... It almost became like... I think this is, like, the inverse tracksuit rule. You know? It it almost felt like they just couldn't get anything done because there was just too many. Inverse ninja rule. (laughs) And... The whole, I appreciate your comment with the girlfriend. We ended up scrapping everything and going to Maroon 5, too. That was pretty yeah. cute during yeah. the whole thing. That was a good payoff. <laughs> that was great. Oh, yeah. Tracksuits. We're going to see more of the tracksuits. I hope so. They were fun. Uh, what was their company called? Something higher. Trust a bro. Trust a bro. Because they kept calling yes. each other bro. It was great. Yes. It kind of reminded me of um, two trucks. Two men in a truck. Two guys in a truck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and they they were driving towards the big boss fight at the end. There was like, I don't know, four to six trucks just. You knew we were in for trouble when they were bringing that many trucks because it can all hide a lot of guys in the back. I did like this better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know if any of you feel the same way. Same. Much as I love those characters, the show itself was kind of, I mean, it was all right. But So this leaves us, there wasn't any, aside from the Echo thing that happened, there wasn't any post-coda scene to look forward to. This was the end of 2021, and they didn't give us anything to go forward. Well, I haven't seen Spider-Man. I've heard a lot about what happens in Spider-Man. 
I forgot where I read it, where Bird and Birdie were surprised what the credit scene was because apparently they even didn't know they were going to show the whole thing. I'm thinking there might they might have shot something else and they just decided not to put it on there. I don't know. It could have been Black Panther related and with all the trouble that they've had filming. Yeah. Yeah. Not even dealing with right. I think that, you know, they had to close down shooting and that might have impacted post credit scene. I didn't even think about that until right now. Doctor Strange two is in for reshoots, so they slipped the yeah, trailer. Yeah, they're adding a lot more. Actually, I think they just finished the reshoots. Well, they added more cameos and interconnections and stuff like that in there. Yeah, I think they finally got their sense that with. Stuff like Crisis over on the DC side and Endgame and Spider-Man, I think they all came to the conclusion that audiences like this sort of stuff. And I get how impossible it is because you want to keep the budgets good and, and you want to keep the scope of the individual projects down. But the more world building you can do and have it mean something, the better off you're going to be. I'm glad Mondo's back for Doctor Strange, too. Yes. Wish me luck in finishing my Christmas shopping tomorrow. Oh, good luck. I am an idiot who forgets time. Solidarity there. Do you have a lot (laughs) to buy tomorrow? A couple things for my dad, my sister, and my sister's boyfriend. And remember that stores close early tomorrow, too. Oh, yeah. No, I need to be up anyway to get um, my dog's prescriptions. Okay. Well, good luck. And you too, Chris, because it sounded like you had to do it too. Yeah, mine is mostly um, wish me luck in staying alive as Kaylee finishes making presents for people (laughs) and making a cake that looks like the inside of a computer. (laughs) Oh, wow. Good luck. I'll send y'all a picture. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I have full faith that she can pull it off. It's a timing issue. Definitely not a skill issue that's going to cause any problems here. I have to finish decorating my tree before tomorrow night too, so... That's on my list of things. See, that's the joys of three cats. We just don't have a tree. I've got all these geeky ornaments that I, you know, if I don't break them out, then I don't see them for a year. So why have them? I need to get out my Joker Santa. (laughs) Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.